Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Key Reese. And I'm Laura Brodnick. And it's Friday, which means it's weekend watch time. We have two very fabulous new series. Laura Brodnick did steal one of them, but I'm excited to talk about both. And we have got a packed show, so we're going to get straight into it because it's been a morning of celebrity news. But before we do that, we have the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gosh? I want more headlines. Yes, well, it actually feels that we're back in 2020 today because everyone is currently lusting over actor Stanley Tucci, not that we're complaining. So if you cast your minds back to April of last year, a video of Stanley making a Negroni became a viral internet sensation just because he was hot and he looked really smooth making it. There was really no deeper meaning than that. And we were all in lockdown and we needed something to entertain us. Hell yeah. And- <laughs> I know Kate watched it on a loop. She probably still falls asleep to it. And that Negroni video was originally just made for the eyes of his book publishers because he just signed a deal for his first cookbook. But it was so well received that he posted it to his personal Instagram. And look, people just lost their minds over it. What you want is a double shot of gin. If you don't like gin, you can use vodka. And maybe you could just lace it with gin. Just put a little gin on the top just to give that little bit of flavor if you like. A shot of sweet vermouth. If, if you can find a good sweet, sweet vermouth, that's great. And then a single shot of Campari, made in Milan. So I think people also just found it hot because if you look at the video, which I think we'll post in our Facebook group this afternoon so everyone else can see it, he's stirring a cocktail and his muscles are like bulging through the sleeves of his black polo top. (laughs) Key, what are your feelings on that? It was just perfect. It was like warm. It was his tone and his voice. It was the way he looked at you but then looked away and he was a little bit (laughs) sheepish but he was also confident. It was like, yes, you are so sexy right now. And so the world is talking about this again, so what we wanted to get to, we are going somewhere with this, guys, is that there's a new interview that's been published in the Sunday Times. Well, it's been out for a few weeks, but people have really gotten onto it this week because of a little treat that's buried in there. So it's called Stanley Tucci, Food or Sex? That's the Cruelest Question. And it is an amazing profile. It touches on so many topics about his career, his family life, the devastating passing of his wife, his relationship with his second wife, Felicity Blunt, his own cancer diet diagnosis and we will link it in the show notes because there's so much to read but it's the very last paragraph of this profile that has just sent the world into a frenzy of people just wanting to have sex with Stanley Tucci there's (laughs) merchandise there's catchphrases there's memes at the very end of this very long beautiful profile the journalist Polly Vernon who's doing the interview says I've saved my toughest question for last And I say, for the rest of your life, Stanley Tucci, you must choose. 
food or sex. Tucci stalls, his mouth works, yet no sound comes out. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm reading porn. <laughs> it's a Sunday Times profile. I feel like I'm reading something super sexy. Anyway, eventually he says, that is cruel. That's the cruelest question I've ever been asked. I shrug. That's as it might be, but it's the question and I've asked it. <laughs> he takes off his glasses and he cleans them. He squints. He thinks. I can almost see his brain whirl between the options, internal bargaining in action. But if I, but what about if one or the other, I say, to which he replies, could I be eating while I'm having sex? No. <laughs> then I literally cannot answer this question, he says. I cannot. That means I'm a very hungry, horny person. And uh, then it just ends. Best thing to end on because it's just so shocking at the end. And it's like, tooch, yes. Like everything about that paragraph is just him, you know, taking off his glasses, cleaning it. Like <laughs> it just sets the scene. And he honestly just embodies like, I don't know, some mystical character in a romantic novel and that's just how he lives his life horny hungry and humble oh my god stop it okay well i'm all flushed so we'll have to move on but we will link that in the show notes and share it in our facebook group and if anyone wants to talk about how sexy the tooch is hit us up well today adele has made history but it's not for what you probably think. For the first time in history, Adele has covered both the British Vogue and American Vogue issues. So the November issues are separate interviews and her first sit-down since 2016. And in them, she opens up about her divorce from ex-husband Simon Konecki, who is the father to their almost nine-year-old son, Angelo, her new love, and of course, her new music. So while both interviews are quite wide-ranging and they do give a lot of rare insight into to she became famous at 20 and has really got her elusive personal life down to a T. But unsurprisingly, it's not that insight that is grabbing headlines today. It is, of course, the clarifications and comments she made about the reactions to her much talked about and scrutinized weight loss that is dominating every single news outlet today. So while there are two interviews, for me, there was a clear winner, and that's the British Vogue version, and we'll get to why a little bit later, but a little bit of a reminder on her weight loss. So it all kind of kicked off when she posted that infamous photo of her back in 2020. It was her birthday. The picture was taken in her backyard, and she was dressed in a gorgeous black mini dress, looking very small, smaller than we'd ever seen her before. The image attracted more than 12 million likes and a quarter of a million comments. And that was just the beginning of it. So we're going to focus on the UK piece first. And I just thought it was very smart how the journalist, which is Giles Hattersley, led her into the topic of weight loss because this is quite an intimate, as they are, cover story interviews are quite intimate. And you don't want to put someone offside when you are trying to lead them into weight loss. So he notes the fact that she's been living in LA for a certain amount of time and asks her if she could list the ways in which moving to California has made her a little bit celebsy. And she says, well... I've got a bit fit and elfy. I tried to say it in her accent, but I couldn't. And she said, that's quite LA, I guess. 
He notes that that fit and healthy equates to a loss of 100 pounds behind closed doors. And she says, I think one of the reasons people lost the plot was because actually it was over a two-year period. It was confusing at first having the two Vogue interviews, but now it's so interesting to see how both journalists have covered the topic and how one almost proves the point of why people were so fascinated with Adele's body. Because in one profile, she's talking about this huge worldwide reaction to her losing weight and how upsetting she found it and how she thought that all these people took this innocent photo of her body looking different and used it to criticize her or use it to write articles and how upsetting she found that. And she said, we're lost in this kind of world where everyone documents everything on Instagram. And because my weight loss journey was over two years, people didn't see it happen gradually. So she understands it was shocking, but she also felt that there was this really kind of negative talk about her weight and and it's no one's business to talk about. Whereas if you flip to the other Vogue profile, it actually opens with this huge description of her body in the gym. So the journalist meets her in the gym to do a workout together and the writer describes Adele walking into the gym and how fit she looks and how thin, how ripped her body is, how different she looks. And it's almost like in one Vogue profile, she's saying, don't talk about my body in that way. And then the other Vogue profile leans into it, making her body the subject of the story almost. She obviously talks about how upsetting it was to have people comment on her weight and write stories about her. And as a podcast that has talked about these photos on multiple different episodes, and as myself as a journalist who wrote about four different pieces on Adele's body and the reaction to it over the years, I have to say I do stand by everything that we said. Well, I do too, because I think that she understands and she says it in the British Vogue interview that her career has always been defined by her body. You know, she says people have been talking about my body for 12 years. I used to talk about it before I lost the weight and that she doesn't care, but it's clear that she obviously does care. But what I thought she was more upset about was the people that attach themselves to their weight loss. This was kind of her moment to really say that because there were so many people at the time coming out, celebrity trainers saying that she'd done these crazy diets, talking about snake oil, saying that she was a devout Pilates person, (laughs) Pilates person, sorry for all the Pilates people out there, and saying that she hadn't done any extreme dieting, that wasn't any intermittent fasting, nothing. It was that she wanted to do something for her and it was very much linked to the anxiety that she faced after she revealed that she had left her husband, even though it was her decision that she felt very anxious from the whole process. But I think she made a really interesting point because I think that the conversations we had about her body, I mean, I'm a little bit biased here, but I think they're very different to the tabloid fodder that surrounded her because she talks about it. She's like the fact that people reduced it to, oh, she's got a revenge body and calling out the media for their love of portraying a divorced woman as kind of spinning out of control, that she must be crazy. Well, she said this that she wants to be a hoe and kind of get out there because what is a woman without a husband? And I thought that that was a really interesting point because I think that we should stand by the conversations that we've had about this because I think they've been smart, but I think we should take that feedback on board about that kind of smutty, easy get, like here she is, revenge body, when what actually happened in her situation was a lot deeper. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. And on that point, Adele and I would very much agree. When I say I stand by all the pieces I've written, those pieces were to the reaction about her body, not her body itself, because there was this huge celebration that she was a better person because her body had changed and that she was a healthier person. And I think also the other point I made at the time is why some women especially felt a bit of a loss watching this conversation happen is that we're always getting hit with this idea that weight loss makes you better. And because there really are no plus, there's very few plus size women in the public eye, in movies, TV shows, or releasing music. When someone kind of isn't part of that community anymore, it really does hit hard. And that's not an Adele issue. That's an industry issue because Mm -hmm. if our stages and screens and magazine covers were filled with people of all different sizes and shapes and colors, it wouldn't be a big hit when those numbers change because it wouldn't be an issue, but because there is no diversity, there is no representation still, having a formerly plus-size woman not be in the plus-size community anymore and having the world breathe a sigh of relief over that does hit hard. And I think Adele hasn't really tapped into that, but also that's not her issue to deal with at the end of the day. That's not her personal issue to deal with. I mean, there's one line in there I did take issue with, and I know people won't really like me saying this, but at the end of the day, it's this whole issue of putting someone like Adele on a pedestal where you're saying we can't comment on her or disagree with anything she says, which is also, I think, a very dangerous fact because at the end of the day, she's just a person. But I felt it uncomfortable where she said being overweight is not the only way to be body positive. I understood what she was trying to say, and I think it was just a clumsy delivery. But I think the use of the word overweight was also quite disparaging in a way because it's not a term that's widely accepted in the plus size community. And also that movement has really been co-opted by lots of women in the public eye to kind of put themselves in that movement without actually pushing it forward. So I don't know, it's a really complicated thing and I don't want to kind of bring her two big amazing interviews down into that one word, but I think it's okay to see light and shade in the same person. And I also think there's so many interesting things in this profile about her life that have really been overshadowed by her weight which is exactly what she's saying has happened. There's so much in there about her breakup from her husband, Simon Kinnicky, and the kind of toll it took of divorcing on their nine-year-old son, Angelo. And I also thought it was really interesting that they live across the road from each other because she bought a house for Simon so that he could live across the road so that their son, Angelo, could run back and forth between the two houses and still have his parents. And if you're a child of like separate or divorced parents, that kind of sounds like the dream. And I was like, that's just a really interesting tidbit that that kind of stuff is not going to get picked up because we're so focused on what she said about her body. Yeah, definitely. That's why I took issue with the US piece. It just felt so different, like talking about them doing an exercise class together. Like it was very American. Like this was like a perfect example of interviews with a cultural undertone. Like the US focus on that kind of glossy weight loss, how much money you're earning kind of thing. Whereas the British one really got into, it wanted to basically answer the question of, has Adele become one of those wankery LA celebs? And the answer was a resounding no at the end of this. If anything, it was just like made her more endearing. But I do believe in what you said before about questioning her when she does do different things like I did the same thing back when she and we talked about it on the pod back when she dressed in traditional Bantu 
knots, a hairstyle, which is traditionally for women of color, a protective hairstyle. And she at the time had put an image up of it. There was a lot of critique. And she actually addresses it in the British Vogue interview and says like, yeah, I did make a mistake. Like it was stupid, but I wasn't going to take down the image and pretend like it didn't happen. Like that's just not the way I wanted it to go. And obviously I know now that it wasn't appropriate. And she also made the joke of like the irony was that it's a protective style for women of color and it completely ruined my hair. And I was like, that's why you don't culturally appropriate things because, you know, karma will get you in the little bahootie. That is a very important takeaway from these two articles, that's for sure. Well, I mean, we'll link both of them in the show notes. Obviously, one's better than the other, but it's worth reading both of them because we haven't really had any Adele content of her actually speaking. We've just had people speaking about her for so many years. So it's really nice that her voice is out there again. And both of these profiles are definitely worth reading. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. I finished my work week on my couch, ordered some food. It's time for Week and Watch. Our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. All right, it's Weekend Watch time and I'm going to switch it up this week, girl. Laura Brodnick, I already know what it is. Tell everyone. Yeah, sorry I stole this from you, but like I said, if you want to recommend something, you got to call it first. I'm going to remember. So... <laughs> I'm recommending the new Netflix limited series Made, which it's been out this week. People have been raving about it and it is just as good as everyone says. This series stars Margaret Qualley as a young woman called Alex and she's also a young mother who leaves her emotionally abusive boyfriend who's played by Nick Robinson in the middle of the night with their very young daughter Maddie and she experiences homelessness. She's got nowhere to go. She has no money and she gets a job working as a maid to try and make ends meet. The series also stars her real-life mother, Andy McDowell, as Paula, which is a beautiful touch seeing a mother and daughter work together on this series. And the cast itself in this show is just amazing. So the series is, I think one of the reasons it's hitting so hard is that it's based on a true story. So it's based on the New York Times bestselling memoir, Made, Hard Work, Low Pay and A Mother's Will to Survive by Stephanie Land. It is 10 episodes, so it's a really beautifully packaged up limited series. And the response to it has been so immense that it already has 100% ratings on Rotten Tomatoes because all the reviews from it have been so good. I will just say, though... If you've lived through any sort of domestic abuse or you've had to live in a domestic situation with limited funds, if you've been through anything like that, I'm just going to say this might be quite triggering for you to watch. So don't force yourself to watch it if you do find it difficult. If you were a child who grew up in domestic violence or you had to live that situation as an adult, the first episode especially where they're leaving in the middle of the night, it's a very visceral kind of opening and the show gets more intense as it goes along, but it can be really triggering if you've lived through that. And so in that case, maybe just don't watch it. But if you do kind of have the means to watch it, then it's on Netflix. It's 10 episodes and it is amazing. It is amazing. I am obsessed with it. Okay. 
So mine is a little bit different. We're going young adult murder mystery here. It is called One of Us is Lying, and the first episode comes out on Stand Today. So it's based on Karen M. McManus's New York Times bestselling novel of the same name, and it follows five high school students who walk into detention and only four make it out alive. Oh, shiver down the spine, honey. So it's set in a fictional American high school and it's called Bayview High. And Bayview seems like very much your stereotypical traditional small town American high school. But you dig a little bit deeper and it gets real dark real quick. So the series picks up on the first day of school after the summer break. And the student body is abuzz with a new post that's out on Bayview's very own version of Gossip Girl, a blog called About That. And the gossip blogger, well, his revelations last year wreaked a little bit of havoc on the school. We had star athletes being expelled, student relationships going up in flames. And while his identity is unknown to school officials, students know exactly who he is. He's a fellow student. An outcast, and his name is Simon, who's played by Mark McKenna. So we start off the first day back after summer. Simon's promised to reveal secrets about four of the students at Bayview on Friday. But he doesn't make it to Friday. Why? Because on that very first day back at school, he winds up in detention. But before detention is over, he's dead of an allergic reaction. But the police come, obviously, because when someone dies, whoa, the police have got to come, whether it's an allergic reaction or not. And they're like, this is a homicide. Plot twist. So the suspicions, this is where it gets exciting, immediately turn to the other four students who were with Simon during detention. So the teacher leaves. I don't know why. Obviously, she left because we need someone to die. Basically, all of those four students who were in detention, they have a secret that they were very much in fear of being exposed of by Simon. People are calling it a mix of Breakfast Club. They're also calling it Gossip Girl, duh, and also Pretty Little Liars because we need that little murder mystery in there. And it is an excellent murder mystery. Lots of twists and turns. There are eight episodes in total. First one out today and the rest will be dropping weekly. So one of us is lying on Stan. Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. Now, if you haven't heard of The Undone, it's a Mamma Mia podcast and it's hosted by Emily and Lucy. It's about the ups and downs of being in your 20s. And in this week's episode, they reflect on what advice they tell their younger selves. We've talked about the awkward stage before and I feel like a lot of the things I would tell myself were about the awkward stage, like just kind of, it'll get better. That was my main thing. I was like, it will get better. Like, you are not your best self right now, but you're really funny and you're a good friend and you're smart and you're kind. You don't have to be the most popular girl. I'd also tell myself not to bleach your sideburns. (laughs) Big mistake. Everyone can see it in the sun. It looks horrible. I had, like, slick black hair with orange sideburns. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Madeline Joannou with audio production by Leah Porges. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.